Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. I'm really excited for our show here today. We have on Samaya Owens, who has started her own marketing company, here in locally where I am local to is Asheville, North Carolina. And the purpose behind her business, how she's operating, everything is just, we just really love it. And I can't wait to dig in with her on how she is kind of creating the kind of business that she um, always wanted to work at. And, but before we get into that, to that conversation, uh, first we had to hit the balance sheet. For those of you that are new, our balance sheet each week is we go over the assets, we go over our um, liabilities, our debts, and our investments. So assets, first, I'm going to start with one of the biggest assets in the mindful marketplace, which is worker-owned co-ops. There was a recent piece in the New Yorker about uh, Mondragon. I hope I'm saying that right, uh, Mondragon. Um, the Mondragon Corporation, actually located in Spain, is the world's largest worker-owned cooperative. It's a voluntary association of 95 autonomous cooperatives. Each co-op's uh, highest paid executive makes at most six times the salary of its lowest paid employee. It's pretty cool. There are no outside shareholders. Instead, after a temporary contract, new workers who have proved themselves can become members of their co-ops um, and owners, member owners. When, an when each individual co-op does well, their members all share in the profits. And when times are hard, the cooperatives collectively support one another, sharing funds and reallocating workers amongst themselves to preserve jobs. During the pandemic, uh, workers at Mondragon co-ops voted to temporarily reduce their own salaries or hours until markets recovered and people who felt sick were trusted and encouraged to stay home. Worker-owned cooperatives are often considered by some to be both idealistic and inefficient. The model is seen sometimes as suitable mainly for upscale grocery stores or boutique bakeries in progressive towns. And yet, this is not just a sleepy grocery store. This is a collection of co-ops. This collection of co-ops employs around 80,000 people. And 76% of those who work in manufacturing co-ops are owners. One of them makes bicycles at an industrial scale. Another makes elevators or, or, produ or produce huge industrial machines used in the production of jet engines, rockets, and wind turbines. There are schools, large grocery chains, catering company, 14 different technology and R&D centers, and a McKinsey-like consulting firm. In 2021, last year, the network brought in more than 11 billion euros in revenue. The odds are good that key elements of something within 100 feet of you, an espresso maker, a gas grill, or a car, were made by the owner by the collective ownership at Mondragon. So pretty cool example of that. 
liabilities. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Wall Street volatility. You know, as as you might know, as you might know, Michael Burry, who was portrayed by Christian Bale in the movie and then the book The Big Short, and someone who is no stranger to going against the Wall Street hive mind, has been predicting a big stock market crash and high inflation in 2020. But now his actions have actually backed up his words. His most recent filings that he is a, an investor and he is um, legally bound to get the best return to his clients. His most recent filings that he actually sold the entire portfolio. New data showed that inflation may have peaked recently. And that convinced many investors that the Fed was likely to be less aggressive in its rate hikes to fight higher prices. But many economists fear that the high interest rates will cause a hard landing for the economy. Michael Burry thinks the worst is yet to come. He says he foresees a thousand. Uh, he says he foresees. Uh, he says he foresees a household debt crisis that would pose serious danger to the economy. In a Twitter post, Burry used a graph from Bloomberg showing that the U.S. consumer borrowing increased by forty billion in June from the prior month. This was the second biggest increase ever, according to data from the Fed. Burry added that winter is coming. All right, now on to debts. More and more Americans are turning to buy uh, to buy now, pay later financing for everyday needs. While many of these services have largely been used for one-time discretionary purchases, Americans are increasingly turning to them to finance something much more mundane and essential, what they eat. There are signs um, that the use of these services for repeated everyday expenses like groceries and restaurant meals is pushing some users, particularly younger people who are already overextended, even deeper into debt. One customer of the financing service, Klarna, recounts how it was early in the pandemic and he was making $16.50 an hour working for a tech company in Cincinnati while supporting both his sister and her girlfriend. He said that he just wasn't making enough to live. So he started to buy groceries online using a virtual credit card from Klarna to you know, a buy now, pay later service. It allows him to break up payments into smaller installments that could be made over several weeks uh, with no interest. But soon, um, Mr. Roberts was his name, age 30. He was regularly spending beyond his means on food, things like chicken, bananas, chips, cereal. And he fell behind on the payments and ended up owing more than $1,000 to Klarna and estimated $100 of it in late fees. He already had about 11000 in student debt and another 2000 in unpaid medical bills. And, you know, this quote really got to me. He said, I don't want to be in debt for a carrot, but you've got to do what you've got to do. Now, eliminating personal debt, as many of you know, is a pet cause of mine. So if you are in debt and you want more information on how to eliminate your debt faster without having to spend any additional money, Go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on the button that says eliminate debt. Lastly, investments. I want to talk a bit about energy investing because when it comes to climate, uh, to climate change, the stakes for everybody are high. But the evidence is clear that low income um, and communities of color are disproportionately at risk simply because vulnerable people have less capacity to prepare for and cope with climate related events. The recent uh, there was a recently um, the recent study published by the Clean Energy Project Development for Low-Income Communities by the University of New Hampshire School of Public Policy showcased many examples of community funds supporting renewable energy. For example, Enterprise Community Partners created an initiative that has set a benchmark for green building standards and affordable housing 
Local Initiative Support Corporation works with affordable housing owners to track energy performance and recently launched the Bridges to Green Jobs training program to prepare residents for entry-level weatherization jobs. Another organization called Blue Hub Energy has financed solar panels that generate over 8 million, million kilowatt hours of electricity annually, enough to power the electricity use of almost 1,100 houses. And lastly, Inclusive Proper Prosperity Capital is leveraging its experience financing climate solutions to accelerate decarbonization and address climate injustices nationally. But of course, it's not enough on its own. It's vital for private investors as well to examine practices that constrain capital um, to these for these communities and their need to address climate change and find new ways to finance projects like community solar that are owned and controlled by communities. Even if projects may be initially smaller in scale, while community capital is being developed. Um, so yeah, uh, lots of good stuff there. And I am now excited to turn over um, and get started to talk to someone who's becoming a good friend here. Um, she is the director of Present Moment Media. Um, she's located here in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, thanks so much for joining the show here, Samaya. Glad to have you. Thanks so much for hosting me, Joel. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to get into this with you. You know, you and I met at a um, at a at a networking event here in Asheville, and I was really taken by your story and by why you started decided to start Present Moment Media. Um, but I know a lot of people out here don't know who you are. So could you first just let us know a little bit about your background and where it is you come from? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, my name is Sumaya, and I'm an unschooling parent and a healing arts practitioner, a social justice organizer, and a holistic business and marketing consultant. I started my career from scratch as a uh, yoga and meditation teacher, then worked my way up the corporate ladder into operations and marketing management in the spa and retreat industry, uh, and then retired to become a consultant. I started uh, my own freelance consulting practice about five years ago, uh, then packed my bags and traveled the world with my daughter as a world schooling parent, and then recently came back to Asheville, settled back down, and opened my agency, Present Moment Media, and here we are today. Yeah. I, I want to ask you first. What made you decide to uh, raise your daughter and school school your child while you were uh, traveling the world? You know, that's not a lot of people would do that. Well, it was inspired by you know a, a series of various life events, but I think any parent who has their child in public school or has previously had their child in public school knows that it doesn't come without its challenges. And, you know, one of the challenges that I have faced as a parent, uh, particularly living in a community such as Asheville, is that we have this tendency as Americans to perceive our, our country and our society where we live as the only way to live, right? Whether that's in, you know, our personal lives or our professional lives, we have this mentality that there's only one way to live and it's the American way. <laughs> and I really wanted to raise my daughter in an environment where they could 
not only learn about other uh, people and other cultures, but participate and in them and and just learn for um, learn for herself that there are there's so many ways um, that we can live our life and and be happy and be contributing members of society. I'm sure that that also had its own challenges as well, though. Do you have uh, do, you, do you have any stories of uh, of anything that that happened to you that you might not have expected? Oh, absolutely. We have we have so many, you know, funny blooper stories over the years of traveling. I mean, there was, of course, little things like I remember one day my daughter and I were walking um, through the streets of Paris and it was pretty busy that day just on the sidewalk. There were a lot of people and I turned a corner and then like looked over my shoulder and my daughter had like turned the off, like I went left and she went right. And then I like had to chase her down the street, like, wait, go back, which could happen anywhere. Right. I mean, that could just happen walking on the street of Asheville, but in Paris, it's a little bit like, Whoa, hold on. Um, and then, yeah, there was, you know, other, you know, bloopers along the way. Uh, I'm sure that I could think of, you know, a long list of stories, but honestly, it really is just that many of the things that we were experiencing as challenges in a different country were similar things that would happen here. They just happened somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the same thing. I, you know, I don't know if I've told, actually mentioned on the show here, but I, I, I served in the Peace Corps after um, college. And it's kind of like holding up a mirror to yourself and to your own culture. And, you know, you, you, you see things, like you said, that you didn't even realize um, were the case and you didn't even realize could be done anything differently. I'm curious how that informed you when you came um, back and you began working in, you know, in your business and in marketing. Like, what did you, you know, what, what were the principles or the values that you developed through that journey that, that you decided to implement? as you were building your own brand and your own business? Well, that is probably an entire episode in itself, but to condense it in a short and sweet manner, you know, one of the things that I realized while traveling the world was that there were so many amazing people all around the world that are you know, contributing in a positive way to their community. And the only difference really between them and, you know, a more well-known philanthropist, right, is really just the media and the marketing and how well-known this person may be. And it made me stop and think, you know, what if all of these people around the world that were making a positive impact, what if more people just knew about them? And what if they were able to reach more people and have a greater impact just by simply being more well-known? And what if that inspired more people to follow in their path as well? That's really the vision behind Present Moment Media. And so our tagline is to uplift the voices of change makers. And that's uh, very much, you know, our our vision behind what we do. I love that. In a lot of ways, that's that's the purpose of this show too. Is just to highlight the people who are setting that example, so that others know that it's that it's possible that that they can either start their own business to make an impact, that they can invest their own money into um, businesses that make an impact, and into their local community. You know, you you mentioned that mission statement of of elevating. How did you say it? Um, um, uplifting. 
the voices. Uplifting of, the voices of change makers. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about how you do that and how your business um, accomplishes that. Of course. Well, we create customized digital marketing strategies for all of our clients. And really what I specialize in uh, as a consultant is developing strategies uh, that are specific and unique to each business or nonprofit model. One of the, um, you know, problematic approaches that I find pretty, pretty common um, in marketing and sales and in business really in general is this cookie cutter model uh, where, you know, there's these coaches that, you know, they're, they're spewing off these, you know, three steps or five steps to, you know, seven figures or, or whatever it may be. Right. And they offer the same model to every single person who walks through their door and what I have found is that each person and each business has really unique needs and really unique goals and, and unique challenges. And uh, that whenever I meet with a new client, um, you know, my purpose is really to listen, uh, you know, deeply to what these needs and goals and, and challenges are and develop a strategy that will support that person and that business specifically. And so by focusing on this, you know, one person or one business and, you know, what their needs are specifically, it allows me to focus on empowering them and uplifting them as opposed to just trying to shove their business into a cookie cutter model that may or may not work for them. No, that's, that's so important. Cause yeah, you see that, that kind of thing all the time. And I'm, I'm curious from you, cause I know one of the things we connected on is, you know, you came from more of a nonprofit social justice background as, as did I as a social worker um, and then got into sales and marketing. And I did that as well. And I know that, you know, some people I listen to, I, you know, they, they, they kind of rubbed me the wrong way when it came to my values and what I actually wanted to be and what I wanted to accomplish. Um, did you run into that yourself? Like, what was that journey like? How did you suss out the noise from the signal as far as what you wanted to do and how you, who you wanted to be in, in, a, in a, owning a marketing business? Because, you know, normally we don't think of people coming from a social justice or a social work background as being, you know, marketers. <laughs> but the reality is that there's a lot of us that are. Um, how, what was that journey like for you? Absolutely. Well, I started working in, you know, corporate operations and, and marketing management simply because, you know, I was a parent and wanted to provide for my family, you know, so even though I was very social justice minded, you know, organizing community projects doesn't exactly pay the bills. <laughs> so, any you know, yeah, any bills at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm still very active in my community. It's just not something that I required, you know, payment for. Um, and so as far as, you know, what I've been doing for my day job, you know, whenever I left um, my corporate career to start out on my own, you know, um, much of the inspiration really was to spend more time at home with my daughter to just have a better quality of life for, for me and my family. And that's really important to me. Um, 
as a parent and, and business owner and, and a member of the community. Uh, but there were definitely coaches and consultants that I met with um, over the years who, you know, I was interested in, you know, learning from uh, in terms of, you know, starting and growing my own online business. And, you know, one of the learning curves for me was, you know, prior to, um you know, having my agency, I was working in operations and marketing for seven figure businesses, but it was different to do it for my own business and it was different to take it all online. And so that's what I was, you know, wanting support with initially. And there were plenty of coaches who gave me terrible advice Uh, one of the coaches I worked with initially was really strongly encouraging me to pitch to people to via like cold, you know, direct messages on, on social media, but in a very aggressive way. Um, and I have found that to be very common in, in sales and marketing. And I just knew early on that wasn't something that really aligned with me and, and my values. Yeah, and I know that you're taking what aligns with you in your values into your business and creating kind of a new sort of platform and community with your clients who are change makers, who are um, sometimes people who are of marginalized communities even. Um, you know, what are you most excited about in your business right now and how are you creating that space for them? We recently launched our digital wellness community for change makers across the globe called The Lounge. And it is our most accessible program uh, in the sense that it's financially much more accessible than hiring us for consulting or digital marketing services. But we provide live sessions uh, with myself and my other team members in addition to quite a bit of online course content and trainings uh, to really teach people themselves how to implement uh, these strategies. And so our vision was to make our work as accessible as possible to as many change makers as possible. And so that's the uh, vision behind the lounge. That's great. And it sounds like there's a good amount of community in that too. Love it. Uh, Well, thank you so much for coming on here today, Samaya. I'm excited to see how your business grows. I'm excited to see the different change makers pop out of your program who are having great success. And um, where can people find you? You can find me at presentmomentmedia.org. We also have a free Facebook group called Holistic Digital Marketing Strategies, and we hang out there a lot as well. Awesome. Well, check out Present Moment Media. And you can check out this episode as well as episodes from many other great hosts here on Biz Radio US by going to bizradio.us and clicking on the show's um, link. You can also go straight to my website, which is mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care of yourselves and take care of somebody else. Thanks so much, Samaya. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.